0: Austin Matthews could be nearing a return. Tukorask continued his resurgence and return to form last night. We'll tell you more about that. We're going to break down the Central Division for you. Lots going on there. And a lot more today on Outside the Glass. What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson, your host. We're going to jump right into it, going back to Tukarask. Boston picks up the 2-1 win last night over Winnipeg. Uh, they got it in the shootout, and Boston's been having an interesting go of it this season. They had a lot of injury struggles early on. They get a lot of they get most of their players back. Marchand was out for a while and get most of their players back. They hit a nice stride and now they're struggling with what looks to be the flu. A few of their players experiencing flu-like symptoms and That, that's been a struggle for them, but they were able to pick up the 2-1 win in the shootout. Charlie McAvoy, their rookie defenseman, who's been very exciting this, this season, picked up the winner in the shootout on his 20th birthday, no less, and both goalies in this one played incredibly. You got Connor Hellebuck for Winnipeg and Tuka Rask for Boston, both guys who have been having strong seasons, but... Kind of a tale of two different tapes as Hellebuck started off really hot and not necessarily, that's not necessarily been the case over the past handful of games. We'll talk about that more when we break down the central division a little bit later. But Tuka Rask is on fire right now. He is 7 1 and 1 in his last nine and 5 0 1 in his last six. And over that nine-game stretch, he's had a 9.43 save percentage and a 1.44 goals against average. So he's really been dominating over this last nine-game stretch. And there was a lot of worry with him starting the season. Uh, he, he started off 1-3 in his first four, then struggled with some injury problems. He had a concussion around mid-October, and then he came back immediately thrown back in that starting role and went 2-4 and 2 in his next 8. And in that 12 game stretch, those first 4 and those next 8 didn't post a great record at all and also posted an 8.97 save percentage and a 283 goals against. So, that's not the 2 correct that Rask that we've we've been used to seeing over his fantastic career. And The last game in that 12-game stretch was a 4-2 loss to Anaheim. Allowed four goals on just 27 shots. Not a pretty game for him. Rask was bench for Anton Kudobin, which is very surprising. Even, Even with his poor play for a pretty long stretch of time, Rask is one of those guys that's really just a lockdown starter. There's just no question that he he's the guy in Boston. But they benched him, maybe to send him a message and put in Kudobin in there. And he started off really well, has won his first three games, did so in an impressive fashion. And then his fourth game, he won that as well, so won four straight. But in that fourth game, allowed three goals on just 20 shots. So they decided that was enough of the Anton Kudobin experiment, and they went back to Rask. And ever since then he's just dominated again, like I said, his last nine games, seven one and one with with those incredible percentage and goals against as well. So he's somebody that they will have to rely on a fair amount because they have a they have a relatively strong group of skaters, but in the east, it's hard to compete with some of these teams especially within their own division. In the Atlantic, they've got Tampa Bay and Toronto to be competing with. And there's not a whole lot of skater groups, especially forwards, that teams can't really match them. When you have guys like Kucherov and Stamkos for Tampa Bay, Nemestikov has been playing well, Victor Hedman, Sergachev, the young guy for them, it's hard to compete with that. It's hard to compete with... A, a Maple Leaf team that has all of the talent that they have. So, even though they have Brad Marchand, who's developed into a star in this league, they've got a great two-way forward like Patrice Bergeron, and they have a young defenseman of their own, Charlie McAvoy. They've got they've got a decent group, but it, it's not as good as a lot of these teams that are around them and that they will potentially see in the playoffs if they get that far. So, Tuka Rask is one of the elite goaltenders in this league, and he needs to play like that for this team to have success. And he's done that recently. And, again, to me it was pretty surprising that they benched him earlier in the season because of that success that he's had over his career. A lot of people were thinking there could be sort of a goalie competition there because Kudobin came in and played so well, but that was... That was nipped in the bud as soon. They took him out after four games. It was clearly just to send Rask a message that you won't just be able to start every game no matter how you play. You know you have, to, even though you are such a successful player and, and a franchise goaltender, the way he's played for so many seasons, he still has to earn it. And I think that message was well received, as we've seen, and it was a smart move by by this Bruins front office to, to do that. So the team this team has been rolling and it will be interesting to see once they get these guys back healthy from the flu, once they get David Krejci back if he's going to come back soon. It will be interesting to see how they can compete in terms of skaters with such strong teams in their division and in their conference. But again... We've talked about it with a team like Montreal. You you still can't rely on your goaltender. You can't just go in and say, hey, we need you to steal this one for us every night. That can happen maybe once every other week or so. But night in, night out, it's just not a realistic expectation, even from a guy like Rask. So it's going to be interesting to see who continues to step up for this Boston team and put up points because they're going to need to do that with these teams, and they can't, you can't go into a game against Toronto and say, "All right, Rass, go ahead and get this shutout for us, so we can get this win." It's not going to happen with the with the goal scoring that they have. So it will be interesting to see who steps up for this team. Marshan's been a star. We, I expect him to continue to be just that. But I'm I'm looking at Charlie McAvoy and his development as a really talented puck moving and offensive defenseman. It's going to be fun to watch him and watch his future. I think he is definitely a guy that can continue the success throughout a sustained career as long as he doesn't have any struggles with injury. He's a really exciting player. Great hands, great shot, great speed, skating ability. So I watch this team to watch him and his development because he's a really fun player to watch. And I think this Boston team does have the tools to make it into the postseason. And have some success and possibly knock off one of these top teams. uh, Especially if they see a team like Toronto. They are struggling on their blue line. And they have so many young players. I'm not sure if they're ready for that playoff success. So if they face a team like Boston, that that could be trouble for them. Definitely. And other action in the league last night. Rivalry action with New Jersey and the New York Rangers was their third meeting this season already, I believe, and New Jersey comes out on top 4-3. to three. The Devils move to the top of the Metropolitan. It's crowded up there. There's a couple teams tied for first, but they've got games in hand, and the Rangers sit at fourth. It was a big opportunity for the Rangers to move up. They're still about five points behind that leading pack, but it was a big opportunity for them to move up and get within striking distance, get within a game or two. But New Jersey nipped that in the bud. It was a really exciting game. New Jersey came out hot. Uh, They had the Rangers on their heels. They scored the first goal, but New York comes back and gets a couple goals. All of a sudden, it looks like they could steal this game on the road. But New Jersey rallies, and Brian Boyle, of course it's Brian Boyle, gets... The tying goal to put it to 3-3 in the shootout. And of course, Boyle gets the shootout winner as well. What a story that's been this season. Really uplifting to see what he's been able to do. Again, diagnosed with leukemia before the season started. And he's been able to get back out on the ice. And not only get out on the ice, but really contribute in a major way for this Devils team. That tying goal last night was just a beautiful turnaround, little, little spin action backhand. Uh, from a decent range, it's tough to score a, a backhand from, from mid-range like that against a goalie like Henrik Lundqvist, but he put it top cheddar. It was beautiful backhand. I, lo- I don't know about you guys, but I love to see a beautiful backhand snipe. There's not a whole lot better. Uh, just such, such skill required to do that, such pat- and strength as well. And Boyle tucked it away beautifully, and puts a five hole to win in the shootout for New Jersey. So that was a huge win for them, and they've they've continued their success in that Metropolitan Division. After I don't think a lot of people saw this team succeeding the way that they are, but they've done it. They got a lot of young guys, and they brought also they also brought in some veterans like Boyle and Marcus Johansson from Washington. So. This team's been fun to watch. They're getting good goal sending as well from Corey Schneider. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue continue their success and bring it into the playoffs. And Tampa Bay in action last night as well. The top team in the league knocked off the Ottawa Senators 4-3. And Tampa Bay has won eight of their last nine. On the other side of that coin, Ottawa's lost seven of their last nine. So, we've talked a lot about Ottawa and the struggles they've had with Duchesne. And that continued last night against the top team in the league. It's a tall order to ask them to knock the Tampa Bay Lightning off. But they made it close. They made it a close game. And we've seen more promise from this Ottawa team in this game. Duchesne hit a crossbar early. He's had a tough go of it, obviously, since being traded over there but we've seen the right things from him i think he's got to the net he's getting his shots off but just not quite finding the back of the net i i definitely expect that to turn around and see him start scoring a handful of goals here pretty soon and he's heated up over the past few games as well starting to get his goal scoring touch but i think we could be seeing a lot more from him just the puck just hasn't been getting the puck luck and dallas Took on the Chicago Blackhawks last night in a Central Division matchup. We're going to be talking more about the Central Division in just a second. But Dallas gets the 4-0 victory. The Stars Stars showed up last night. Hope that's not too confusing for you. you. But Sagan, Tyler Sagan with two goals and Jamie Benn with a goal as well. And these are their leaders. These These are the leaders. This is a pretty young Stars team which we'll get to in a bit. But Sagan and Ben, you know, not too old themselves, but they have more experience than a lot of the guys on this team, than a lot of the forwards on this team. And they have stepped up. They've been great leaders. They, they've they come, not necessarily come out of nowhere, but they've really broken out over these past couple seasons. And... I was skeptical that they were going to be able to continue to be the stars that they were that they were showing that they were. But they've done it this season. They've each got 31 points or so. And yeah, they've got a lot of skill especially in tight around the net. That's what you saw last night, Ben getting a getting a nice one-timer right in front of the net, just in the right area. Sagan gets a real dirty goal in front of the net right in front nearly in the blue paint with Seabrook all over him. So these are two guys that love to get to the dirty areas, and that's how you consistently score goals in this league. So I I, I definitely expect them to continue to be big producers for this team, and the Stars team could, could surprise a lot of people, I think, with some of the young talent that they have still developing over there. And we're going to jump right into the Central Division now. Nashville's on top of that division, and... They had a loss to the Hurricanes last night. In fact, a lot of these top teams, all of these top teams in the Central Division had had struggles last night. Nashville falls to, to Carolina. But they are a really, really good team. They've been hot lately, winning a lot of games 601 and one in their first seven games in December. They have lost two straight since then, but I don't think there's too much cause for concern in Nashville, uh, unless we see sustained struggle in there in Nashville because of just the group of guys that they have. They are so good. They're young. They've got you know their top two guys. From a point-scoring standpoint, Philip Forsberg, only 23 years old. He's got 33 points. Kevin Fiala, only 21 years old, and he's got 26 points. So they've got young talent, young leaders on this on this team, on this forward core. They have an amazing blue line, maybe one of the best defensive cores in the league, led by guys, you know, P.K. Subban, obviously, Roman Yossi, and Matthias Eckholm has been stellar for this Nashville team on the blue line so they've got a great group of skaters on the front and back end and then obviously got a veteran goalie like peccarina they've got it going on in all three aspects of the game special teams has been pretty good for them so yeah this is I really like the look of this team and you know they lost in the cup final last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get back to that point again. They just have so much... They have so many weapons. And so many guys on the back end that can shut down guys and also get involved in the rush and score points. And then they got to shut down goaltender. I think they have everything they need to have to sustain success. I think the only, only thing that could bring this team down right now is injuries. So... Keep an eye on this team, they're fun to watch, fun to watch in their home building, their crowd is electric, Smashville, so definitely I I do expect them to come out on top of this division when it's all said and done and be the leader there. They're at the top right now, but they have three teams in the Central Division that are clogged up at 46 points at the top. They're one of them, but they have games in hand on Winnipeg and St. Louis. Winnipeg is twenty ten and 6. They got 46 points as well. 5, 4, and 2 in December. So the month of December hasn't been quite as kind to them as the beginning of the season had been. But the thing to keep an eye on with this team, I think, is... Not their goal scoring or their their defensive play. I think all of that is in decent shape. They've got a lot of guys that can score points. Patrick Lane is a young, exciting player. And even when he's not scoring goals, he is creating dangerous chances. He's hitting he hits posts all the time. I mean, last night you saw that. And I think he's a... even Earlier in the season, he he said he was having some struggles with his game. But I think this is a guy that, if he has his confidence, then not a whole lot of players can stop him. Not a whole lot of teams can stop him. And Blake Wheeler, again, fantastic player for them. Mark Shifley has been been emerging for them, scoring a lot of points, a lot of goals. Dustin Bufflin on that blue line. But the the thing to watch with, with this Jets team, I think all of those players are fine. All Their team is a cohesive unit. But, w- yes, the thing to watch for them is Connor Hellebuck, their number one goaltender. He started off, I talked about earlier on the show, he could be a Vesna candidate, the way he started off the season, just get it, racking up wins. The team was racking up wins. He was a beneficiary of that, but also a main contributor to to getting those wins and the numbers he was posting were incredible. And now in December, not horrible numbers, but nine oh seven save percentage, two six seven goals allowed in December, which is a drop off from what he was posting nearly like a two two goals allowed and near a nine thirty save percentage. So those numbers in December have fallen off and the biggest worry, I think, with him is even if he's posting those numbers, I think that the Jets can score enough goals to, to cover that spread most of the time. But what it is with him right now is he is inconsistency. He's been very inconsistent in this last handful of games. He's had five games in December allowing four or more goals, three games with four goals allowed and two games with five. So you can't have that from a top goaltender from a top goaltender on a top team. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs or if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're allowing five goals in a game, you're going to lose almost every time, 9 times out of 10. So it's inconsistency with Connor Hellebuck right now. That's very concerning. He even had a couple shutouts in this stretch in December. But that doesn't matter if you're if you have four plus five games allowing four plus goals. You know, that's two shutouts, two wins, whoop de doo. That's five losses nine times out of ten. If you allow four more goals, you're gonna you're gonna end up taking the loss. So that can't happen. You definitely wanna see your goaltender consistently allowing two goals or one goal rather than getting a shutout here and there but allowing five goals in the next game. So he's gotta work on that. I don't know if it's if it's a mental thing with him right now, if he's feeling pressure from this early success, but he's gotta work on it and Start getting some consistency between the pipes for Winnipeg, and this team will will be successful. If he it hinges on his success though, and that's the difference for me between Nashville and Winnipeg, is their goaltending and their back end in general. Winnipeg does have a solid blue line core, not quite as good as Nashville's, and their goaltending is not up to par with Nashville's. I would have said that it was maybe or three weeks ago, but the way the Hellbuck's been playing, you don't see Renee have stretches like that. And the third team rounding out the Central Division at the top of the Central Division with 46 points is the St. Louis Blues, and they've they've had some December blues to speak of because they're one five and zero in their last six, and five six and one in December. So, the way they started was unreal. This team surprised a lot of people. Um, not necessarily like a team like Nashville might ha- or like New Jersey might have. Because we expected the St. Louis team to to hang around and be in the mix and prob- probably make the postseason. But they were the best team in hockey for quite a while or right up there with Tampa Bay at least. And they've fallen off significantly in the last handful of games, especially their last six or seven games. One one five and zero oh again in their last six, and I think that can be that can pretty directly be traced back to to one thing, and that's Jaden Schwartz going down for them. Jaden Schwartz out since December 9th, and he's a top line guy for them, and he was having a career year. And it would be a career year for most forwards coming out. Um, 35 points in 30 games. Had the highest plus-minus on the St. Louis team, plus 23. And that's, when, when you have a guy like that go down, it's tough for any team to recover. But they the St. Louis team is really folded. And I didn't expect it, honestly, because they have that top line of Tarasenko and Braden Shen, even without Schwartz those guys should be able to put up points but as a unit they're not getting it done and again we said they're 1-5-0 and in their last six 2-5-0 without Schwartz so he's been gone for their last seven they got the first win without him against Buffalo whoop-de-doo you beat you beat the Buffalo Sabres but since then it's been a disaster and it's it's pretty noticeably been because of that hole that they've had with Schwartz. Because they're only averaging 1.3 goals per game in that stretch without Schwartz. So it's not, it's not their goaltending. It's not their defensive core suddenly breaking down. They're missing Schwartz's production. Over a point per game from Jaden Schwartz. And they're clearly missing that right now. And it's concerning. It's concerning. You don't want to see a team fold like that without one guy. I mean, yes, it's Jaden Schwartz. It's it's a guy that was practically leading your team in points and leading your team in plus minus and one, probably the most productive guy on your team. So yes, it's a big loss, but you it's very concerning to just see a team fold without without that. You look at a team that's had sustained success over the years like the Pittsburgh Penguins, They're known for when they have a guy go down with injury, it's next man up. And that next guy always plays nearly just as well, if not better, than the guy that went down. And that's one of the most key pieces for a team to have sustained success in any sport. Look at the New England Patriots in football. They're known for the same thing. So, even though St. Louis has been so great, and they will get Schwartz back. He's out for six or so weeks so, they'll get him back, but not for a while. And if they completely collapse without him and continue this pace, then even if they do come back with Schwartz and make a sort surging comeback and make it to the postseason, I don't know if they have what it takes because they don't have that depth that they can fill in a guy and continue to have success. And that's very concerning to me. It's why I think that Winnipeg and Nashville are both poised to... Have more success than them in the long run. And I do see, I obviously see St. Louis making the postseason, but I'm not I'm not counting on them to have a lot of success once they do get there. And going back to a couple of teams we talked about earlier briefly, Dallas and Chicago are in the middle of this pack in the central division, jousting for for position. Dallas is at 41 points at, in fourth place. And again, we talked about Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, those top two guys for them. Top two in point production. The captain and, and the assistant captain there. But like we talked about, like we mentioned, they have young stars on this team. Klingberg on the blue line, only 25 Redick Foxa only 24 and Matias Janmar only 25 these are a couple of guys Fox and Janmar you might not have heard of coming into this season but they're near the top of the Stars team in point production and they're putting up a fair amount of points you know more than half point per game and it's exciting to watch these guys these are these are Part of the new wave of this league where they can skate very well, they have skill, and there are guys that are flying under the radar a lot because I think you have two more well-known guys like Ben and Sagan on this team who are leading the team, but that's really good for a player's development, I think especially when they are not ne- they don't have necessarily Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews skill, but they still have an incredible amount of skill. They don't have the spotlight on them in Dallas. The spotlight's on Ben and Sagan. And they're equipped to handle that. But Fox and Yanmar, that allows them to kind of quietly develop their game. And I think that's what you've seen there in Dallas. Even a guy, Remy Elliott's only got a handful of points, less than 10 points, but he's... He's an exciting player as well, and he had an incredible assist to Jamie on Jamie Ben's goal last night. And he's only 22 years old. So these guys, you don't hear a lot about them at all. But they put up points, and they're exciting players. And Dallas is certainly, out of, out of the remaining teams in the Central Division, Dallas is certainly... The kind of sleeper team to watch, I would say. Above Chicago, Minnesota, and Colorado. And Chicago is at 39 points. They would have been in the position that Dallas was if they had won that game last night at 41 points within striking distance. But took a step back last night. And talked about it with this team. Talked about my main concern, which is... The age and the declining play of just two players. And that's Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. And it's hard for me to talk bad about Duncan Keith. Because for all my years of watching hockey, he has been one of the best defensemen. And one of the most elite defensemen in the league. And it's pretty abrupt his drop off in play. And... It's, it's almost unfortunate to see. I'm no Blackhawks fan by any means, but it's, um, his play has declined pretty significantly this season, at least from what I'm seeing. And Brent Seabrook as well is another guy that's been a rock for this team and got burned again last night on the Sagan goal. He's gotten burned consistently. He's been burned by this Dallas team in the past, and he just looks slow. Duncan Keith is a pretty good skating defenseman but looks a lot slower this year and they don't have a lot of the they don't have the other renowned players on this defensive core to back them up like they've had in the past so they're kind of getting exposed right now but another concern that I have with this team that I'm that I'm just starting to notice, Probably a little late on my end. I should have noticed it much sooner. But this is kind of a scoring depth situation that I'm not seeing. They have a lot of guys that are putting up around 10 to 15 points. But what they don't have is multiple guys that they can lean on for 25 points or more. They have Patrick Kane, obviously, who will, who's a star in this league. One of the best players in the league. Most skilled players in the league but a few guys in particular their play has been concerning to me. Jonathan Taze is one of them. He is a good great two-way player, great two-way center obviously. Uh, leader on the team, but he's not producing enough points. You need your you need your captain, your forward, your center, your top center to produce points. And he's only got 9 goals right now. And that's not enough. Thirteen assists. That's not enough from from one of your top guys and you're from your leader on the fo- on the forward core. So he's not producing enough. Patrick Sharp has been the biggest concern in terms of secondary scoring. He's been a guy that's been with this team for quite a while. Left the team, came back, and he's not putting up enough points. Only only nine points. I think. Only a few goals. And I understand he's getting up there in age, but that's no excuse for the type of player that he is. He's never been the type of fast, explosive, skilled player. He's a sharpshooter. And his shooting has not been sharp of late, that's for sure. So he, he, I think he was even scratched. I think he was a healthy scratch for the Chicago team recently. And... Maybe they're just trying to send him a message, but it's deserved. He he hasn't really earned his playing time on this team because of the type of player that he is. He's a goal scorer, and he's not scoring goals, and that's concerning for this team. Brandon Saad he does have twenty or so points, I think, for this team, but for the kind of player that he was in Columbus, again they did a they did a swap with Columbus, Artemi Panarin for Saad. The kind of player that Saad was becoming in Columbus, um, that's what they wanted him to be. And Panarin's been doing very well in Columbus, and Saad's been doing okay in Chicago. He's been doing probably bare minimum of expectation for him, but he needs to exceed those expectations and and do better and be the star that he was in Columbus and the developing star. But his development slowed down, and he hasn't been... He hasn't been the, the guy that I think a lot of Chicago fans had hoped that he would be. And he hasn't been horrible. He hasn't been disappointing, but he hasn't really brought that excitement that that a, that the kind of player like Brandon Saad should bring. And so that's that's the two concerns that I have in Chicago, Minnesota. I think they need more scoring. They they're sitting at thirty nine points as well, just like Chicago. Uh, and chicago i think has an off chance to i think they're sitting in the wild card spot right now they have an off chance to to make the playoffs i wouldn't even say off chance i think they have a decent chance to make the playoffs minnesota i don't see them making it because they don't have i think they need more scoring they allow 5 goals less than the league average so their goaltending with Devin Dubnyk Stalock has has stepped in for Dubnik as he's been hurt over the past week or two. But dubnik has been solid. Stalock's been pretty good for them. Their defense, their defensive cores is solid, but they need more scoring. They again they allow five goals less than the league average, but they also score five less than the league average at ninety eight or so. And so Eric Stahl and, and Jason Zucker have been the offensive leaders for this team. Zucker exploded earlier in the season for like six goals in, in two games or three games. Uh, Stahl has been solid for them. He He's a great playmaker. So those two guys have been great. But they need, they need one more guy up there in that 30-point range in that... 15-goal range to to complement those two guys because they don't have a whole lot of, of depth. And that guy could be Zach Parise if he's able to come back soon. I think there's still a ways to go with him getting back. Not a whole lot of clarity for his timetable, but it shouldn't be too long from now. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back sometime in in January, late January maybe. Um, If he can come back and produce like he is capable of producing, then we could see this team win more games. But I don't expect that to happen. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. But a solid team, no less. And they could definitely prove me wrong. Colorado sitting at the bottom of this division, 16, 15 and three with thirty-five points. So not, this is a pretty deep division. You don't have that. You don't have. I mean, the top of this division is pretty stacked, honestly, with Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and then there's there's a, a group of solid teams. You don't really have a horrible team. I think Colorado was expected to be that horrible team, be the worst team in the league. Honestly, they've been very surprising, and they're. They're rebuilding right now, yes, but they and, and they have a great situation to do so because they are young, very exciting, but it's just not quite their time, I don't think. Nathan McKinnon is only twenty two years old, which is incredible when you watch him play. He he truly is the real deal in terms of like wow, this guy is a real star in this league. Like he has McDavid level skill. Nathan McKinney scored a couple of the dirtiest goals on on the season and he has a capability to to dummy any defenseman out there and he he truly has Mcdavid level speed and skill truly not 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 close to but he has that level of skill and speed and he's one of the, he's for my money the most exciting player to watch in this league right now. And he's exploded since the Duchesne trade. It took a little bit of, it took the news around this, this Colorado team was the trade and Duchesne being gone. What they got. I think that there, people were saying, oh, they're just throwing in the towel, which I, I think is a fair point. But it allowed McKinnon to just loosen up and say, "You know what? People don't expect a whole lot out of us." I think that took a lot of pressure off of him, and he's just played free, and he's just been amazing to watch. And he's only 22 years old. Miko Rantanen, 21 years old, with 30 points. Another young skilled player, Tyson Berry. 26 years old. He's got 27 points for a defenseman, too. He's nasty. Great slap shot. Great shot from the blue line. And Gabriel Landeskog, obviously. We've been talking about him for a while in the league now, captain of this team. But he's only 25 years old, and he's got 26 points. Alex Kerfoot, 23 years old, 21 points. And you can go down this whole roster and just see so many young guys, you know, younger than 25, that have a lot of potential. You know, JT Comfort, too, with with a handful of points. He's a young, super young guy. So this team is in a really good spot, I think, for, the, for, for being able to build in the future, and I would not be surprised to see them be successful in the relatively near future, honestly. Once Landis reaches around that 30-year mark, uh, this team could be very, very solid and very dangerous if they keep this core and continue to build. And other big news in the league, Austin Matthews is returning to, pra- he's returned to practice today after the news has come out that he's been experiencing concussion symptoms, so we knew it was an upper body injury, likely that it was a head injury, and he's been experiencing concussion symptoms, so that's kind of scary for Maple Leafs fans you don't want such a young talented player to have that that type of those types of issues it seems like in the NHL concussions can be a recurring thing and something that 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 can have a significant impact on your career and the games that you play in your career Sidney Crosby has struggled with Concussions for his entire career, and he's missed a huge chunk of games because of that. Marc Andre Fleury has had concussion struggles and has missed a huge chunk of games because of that. So, hopefully, this is not something that continues to plague Matthews for his career, but he could be, he's returned to practice, he could be looking at coming back. They play tomorrow but i wouldn't be surprised if they just said you know what we only got one game before before the christmas break they got every team's got a 3 day break 23rd 20 or 24th 25th and 26th so i wouldn't be surprised if they said you know what just take sit this one out then you have a 3 day break where we don't play i don't think they play the game after, the, the the day after either, the 27th. I think their first game is the 28th coming back. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that be his first game back. They could put him in tomorrow. I don't know the situation. I don't know how he's feeling, but I'm, I'm not sure that it would be a smart move. It's only one game. He's missed six. They are two and four in those six games that he's been gone. So they've struggled, but it's only one game, I think, that it would be worth it to even if they end up losing that game for him to get a few more days rest and come back then you know that he is 100%. So still exciting for for Maple Leafs fans that he's back in practice. He's back on the ice. And the NHL's going to be back on the ice tonight. Two more days left before the before that 3-day break and no hockey. I know, it's all very sad, but we got some good matchups tonight. Sabres taking on the Flyers, Sabres at home, and my gut's telling me Buffalo for whatever reason, they're a terrible team, but my gut's telling me Buffalo, if you want to listen to my gut, if you don't, you know, my my gut has definitely failed me in the past, but I like Buffalo tonight at home for whatever reason. And wouldn't be surprised to, to see kind of a high-scoring affair there as well. Panthers are hosting the Wild. And talked about this Wild team. I'm not sure. I think that we're going to see more of a low-scoring affair here. I hate going with the under, so I might not tell you to bet the under. But at the same time, I feel like the under might hit. And this is going to be a close game, I think. But... Honestly, I think the Panthers Panthers edge them out at home as well. So, a couple home dogs to start off these predictions. Flames host the Canadians tonight. Love the Flames at home. They're a tough team to play in their home building. Canadians, again, this this season's been been wild ride for them. Uh, very up and down. And I like the Flames at home. And then the Coyotes host the Capitals. That's the worst team in the league, hosting one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And the Capitals, my money's on Washington. And uh, it caps in the overall day. And that's going to wrap it up for Friday's games. That's going to wrap it up for our podcast as well. You've been listening to Outside the Glass. I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. And this podcast has been brought to you by the Pure Sports Network. Check us out on Twitter at Pure Sports Net at Pure Sports NHL. Website's coming in January, guys. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have so many good articles, so much good content coming for you guys and all all the sports that you're interested in, especially hockey. I'm really excited about the content we're going to be producing. So check the website out when it comes out, puresportsnetwork.com. And thanks for listening. This has been Episode 7 of Outside the Glass.